0: Hello and welcome to another Expert Insights show. Each show, your host Donna Hansen interviews an expert on the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on productivity, performance and profit both in business and personally. And now, here's your host, Donna Hansen.
1: In this- Insights episode. I'm speaking with John Yeo. Aside from working as a communication coach assisting business leaders to engage with intent, since late 2009 John has been the licensee and head of curation for TEDx Melbourne. Hi John and welcome.
0: Hi Donna, good to see you.
1: <laughs> I'm looking forward to finding out more about engaging with intent and particularly about your involvement uh, with TEDx in Melbourne. i um, yeah. I've always been curious about TED and TEDx. Now, for the uninitiated, what's TED and what's the difference between TED and TEDx?
0: Sure. You know, it's a a good question and a relatively common one. TED began as a conference in 1984. And so it started in California. And so they ran that for many, many years. And then they decided to do a global event, which moves around Rio, Scotland, all sorts of Africa. Uh, And they became the two TED events that, We all know and love, um, which were all recorded a little bit later on, they decided to do what's called a TEDx license, which is an independent license Mm -hmm. that is run by a local organizer in that geography. So because I'm in Melbourne, I have the Melbourne based TEDx license. And so each geography has its own TEDx license as well.
1: And I guess that makes it easier for them to, A, uh, create a bigger brand, a more global, truly global audience, and a mechanism for them to uh, develop more content and obviously get the message out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Got it in one. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what was the journey to becoming licensee and, and head of uh, curation for TEDx mother? I'm guessing um, probably somebody just didn't come and knock on your door and say, hey, we've got this awesome opportunity. Would you like mm-hmm. to, you know, a bit like door-to-door selling?
0: Look, I mean, there still is an application process, but um, effectively back then, TED, well, that type of community—the future-focused, optimistic, you know, proactive type communities—was a bit of a rarity back then in 2009, and so it became my tribe. And so, while I wasn't the founding licensee, I was part of the team that began the organisation. And she had to decide in 2009 whether she was going to run the next TEDx Melbourne or organise her wedding. So. Um, it kind of landed on my lap. I didn't want the community to die. And it's just sort of the rest of the city's history.
1: Ah, awesome. Now, just an additional, you know, out of the blue curiosity factor. Um, is there um, a licensing fee you have to pay? Let's, let's not talk about numbers, but a fee and does it generate revenue?
0: Yeah, no, there is no fee, but the license expires the moment you run your event. And it's renewed based on whether you're within 10% of the global net promoter score. Oh, uh, wow. So that's the hard part because that's, that's really hard to keep up with.
1: Well, I guess that's a benchmark designed to keep you focused on the end goal, which is making sure that every event you create is engaging.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so all our effort is focused on event and experience and experience design.
1: Mm. and what do you think has made both ted and tedx so popular globally because i mean you mentioned ted or tedx Mm -hmm. and instantaneous recognition worldwide
0: i think it's largely because i mean ted began as the convergence of technology entertainment and design so that Convergence really led to uh, worldwide launches of things like CDs and the Apple Macintosh, which, before they were released to public, were shared amongst the TED community. So it became sort of a space to see the future and see the possibility of the world. And so I still think it continues to do that very much around the, its core principle of ideas worth spreading, where it's not the idea necessarily, but it's the worth spreading part that then becomes the interesting part of the, the brand.
1: Yeah, there's no shortage of ideas. But oh, dears yeah. in the oh, world today, is there? Um, yeah. So, did the the uh, establishment of the TEDx brand did that change the dynamic of the content that uh, was involved in TED? Like, is it is it straight line that it must be technology, ed- education, entertainment, design,
0: entertainment? Uh, it it didn't in because I think one of the things that unique about that community is that we're all a certain mindset around, like I said, future-focused, optimistic, proactive. And so it just became a bit of a groundswell, an on-the-ground community run by the community, owned by the community, shared by the community. And I think that was its power. It was able to bring the power of that community together and still capture and cultivate those ideas and inspirations.
1: Awesome. So um, I know this is, is probably a challenging question, one that I'm, I'm going to throw on you out of the blue. Um, do you have a favourite TED or TEDx talk or is that like selecting your favourite child?
0: It is a little bit. It is a little bit. I like different talks for different reasons, sometimes delivery, sometimes perspective, sometimes it's insight, sometimes it's just beautifully done. Yep. Uh, but I think one of the smartest ones that cul- culminates all that is a one by Derek Sivers called Weird or Just Different. And the beauty of it, it's only two and a half minutes.
1: Oh, wow. Is, yeah. is that unusual for a TEDx? Uh, like do you know t- what? What's the time frame you're normally giving?
0: Yeah. So historically, they've been up to 18 minutes. Uh, That was back, you know, way back when. Um, Today, the average TED talk's about nine. So two and a half still short, but I think the attention spans of the community is definitely getting shorter. And so the talks are sort of reflecting that.
1: Okay, so um, I know there's a whole lot of other questions I want to ask as well, but I'm going to ask mm-hmm. one final question about the, the TED element. Um, do people like, spend a lot of time um, working on their ideas and, and refining their ideas, or is it one of those things where people say, I'm going to do a TED talk and off they go?
0: Well, I've, I think different organisers approach it slightly differently, but I think in the main, it's start that that quality expectation is starting to go up. And so, for me, I will personally work with a speaker anywhere between eight and twenty-seven hours with them wow. to get work right? Uh, plus practice, which you know can probably be you know anywhere between fifty and one hundred and fifty hours.
1: All for that tiny little bit of time. It's like rehearsing for a, a theatre play or a, a TV show, I guess, isn't it?
0: Look, it's not unlike the Olympics. I mean, if you're doing the 100-meter dash, that's literally nine seconds of your life that you might spend four to eight years preparing for. And, you know, a TED Talk kind of... I would approach it the same way. It's a great opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Fantastic. So I'm I'm sensing based upon, you know, your other work that uh, there's a bit of a link between TED, TEDx and your work as a communication coach. For leaders. So you touched on that there with the coaching of, uh, of potential or of people who are presenting for TED, for Ted and TEDx. Um, what does engaging with intent mean for you? And, and why does it matter?
0: Engaging with intent is really around the Impression underneath the idea you have. So in my world, there's three sort of core pillars in terms of communication. There's the content you, you share. And a lot of people say content is king. And I would say, well, content is kind of minimum now because content's everywhere. And so you got really have to have good content before it starts so you can stand out. Uh, context, which can be things like the nature of your interaction, uh, the time of day even can be really important or, or, or the nature of that interaction. And then the intent is really around, well, what is your belief or purpose for that relationship? And you know, do they trust your intent? You know, Have you built that trust and rapport? Because if they don't trust you, then it doesn't matter what comes out of your mouth. And I think a lot of people just kind of go to their social media or, or the marketing, just stand at the top of the building with their mega, megaphone and yell their message out, expect the hordes to come running in. It just doesn't work that way anymore. And there's so many modern examples now where brands differentiate themselves because their intent is really done well. Or clear. Yeah. 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 clear is also a critical part to that
1: absolutely so um, the the sorts of people that you might engage or that might engage you to help so for example you talked about uh, presenters at the tedx events um you know are we talking about business leaders are we talking about I- executives what what uh are the types of people that will generally be looking for some type of a uh, purposeful focused Communico- communication coaching in this manner.
0: Yeah. So in my work, it's typically CEOs and their direct reports, um, the senior leadership, uh, occasionally it's, it's the sales teams. Um, and then for sort of medium sized uh, uh, businesses, usually the business owner. So anyone who's got to connect and engage very, very quickly, mm-hmm. build trust and rapport and um, really make that impact. Really get that impression really, really quickly. Otherwise, um, the opportunity is lost.
1: So I'm sensing it. It could be twofold. It could be, you know, for example, a CEO who might be wanting to communicate with intent downwards through his organisation or her organisation, as well as a CEO who might want to communicate with intent outwardly, as far as their brand message is concerned.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it tends to be announcements or innovations that need to be launched and those announcements might be internal they might be external but it's it's something that's important and declarative that needs to be said and noticed
1: and and absolutely those sorts of things are, are vital and even the slightest nuance or the choice of uh, a wrong set of words as we all see in politics just the wrong set of words at the the wrong time sent in uh, an automatic reaction mode uh, can have a huge impact can't they yeah
0: absolutely i like to i like to you know, sort of call that out saying the right thing at the right time to the right person in the right way. Yeah,
1: That's, that that, that certainly encapsulates it, doesn't it? Absolutely. So um, our listeners and viewers today are, are probably thinking to themselves, you know, what sort of things could they change or adapt in their interactions to have greater engagement and be a bit more intentional and maybe a bit clearer and, and get towards the outcomes that they're after, John? Yeah,
0: I would say that largely a lot of people are underprepared and while you don't always got a chance, you know, sometimes you have to be on prompt prom- I think the opportunities where you do get the opportunity, being clear about what you're going to say and being clear about the value you want to create for the listener, then becomes, should become an important part of your messaging over and on top of what are you going to say? Because what are you going to say is going to come out anyway. So you might as well do it in their favour. To see, so they can see you in the best possible light, or your message in the best possible light, so that there's a relationship established, as opposed to an information transfer.
1: So it sounds like um, having starting with the end in mind, to use an old adage. What's yeah. the outcome that you're looking to achieve? Because uh, you could just go out there and talk about just about anything, and people go, "Well, that walk away going, oh, that's really nice, but I'm not called to to move on something or take action." So it sounds like primarily the first thing you do if you're working with someone is is identify what it is is the the end objective or the purpose of what they're doing.
0: Absolutely, I mean that, that that's one of the key pieces that I that I get people to focus on. There's certain political constraints, there's certain social constraints, there's certain timing constraints you've also got to factor in. But without that clear endpoint, it's it's really difficult to plan backwards what, where you need to go and how you need to go about it because. If you're worried about just pure information transfer, put an internet, send it in an email. You know, there's multiple ways to get information out there. But to build that real trust, rapport and relationship then becomes the key attribute to really a great foundation for further conversation.
1: And I think sometimes what people do when they're looking to communicate and they've they've maybe got the outcome is they've got so much information that often what they do is um, I call it verbal diarrhoea. Sometimes they just say everything and they try to get the audience to be the ones to decipher and work out what are the relevant pieces of information. I'm guessing you see that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's particularly pertinent in the virtual space where it's so easy to get distracted and overwhelmed and just go and do something else. And there's nothing you can do about it. Um, So density, timing, tone, speed, all these other things then become factors that cause someone to engage with what what you're really wanting them to hear. And and, and it's, it's part art and part science.
1: And you talked a moment ago about distraction. Have you found that um, uh, engaging with intent and your work has has changed as a result of, you know, the last um, period of time that we've been through the coronavirus pandemic, that that, that um, what people have needed to do and how they've needed to approach their communication has changed as a result of the fact that we're doing far more virtual than we've ever done before?
0: I don't know if it's changed. I mean... So, so, for me, the medium is just another context. Mm-hmm. And we're just using this context more than we have in the past. Mm-hmm. So, if you weren't experienced in this medium or this context, then it's something you need to bring up to speed. But for people who are already there, then there's an opportunity to build on that and then take advantage because more and more tools come out every day with different feature sets and different capabilities that you can then take advantage of. And so, knowing your tools then becomes an important part of that. And it's just like any other skill. then It's just another tool.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, I I could probably talk for hours around a whole lot of different things and I know you and I have actually talked off air for quite some time regardless. Um, But one final question I want to ask, as you know, I'm passionate about productivity with technology and um, I'd really love to know with all the work that you're doing, you know, with TEDx and and also your uh, communications coaching, um, would you share your favourite tip that you use to keep yourself productive. Now, there might not be, again, it might be like choosing a child. You might need to choose a couple, but that's okay. There's no rules here.
0: Right. I think the single, and this comes back to focus again, and it's quite an analog one because I used to type this up, but I I don't anymore. I actually have it on and literally have a post-it note. (laughs) Top six. Hardcore, but basic, you know. (laughs) Top six things. Stack rank from one to six. Write it every night. Get up in the morning start with number one and don't do anything else until number one's done then start on number two etc this allows you focus there's no pop-ups there's no distractions there's clarity when you get up you don't have to think in the morning because thinking is one of the most time consuming and energy consuming efforts that you have and you know just do it every night that's i mean that's me probably the single biggest focus and then i you 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 know me i have lots of tech plays and technology things being a tech person myself that I like to sort of tweak and play with as well.
1: Yeah, I I think um, I'm very much into that too, the tactile nature of of something, plus the visual thing with the post-it note is it's it's there and uh, the sense of clarity you get, you know, by scratching one off or ticking the box or whatever it is that's your mechanism to mark off something has been done. And, you know, like you said, analogue stuff, I think often what what we're looking for, what people are looking for now are the next thing that's going to solve the problem, but... realistically i believe we've already got everything we need to be successful right now we don't need something else it's just a matter of putting all the pieces together uh to achieve the outcome that you need to achieve or want to achieve
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and and simplicity is almost always the best
1: absolutely spot on there now john um if our listeners or viewers want to get in touch with you to explore how you can help or perhaps they're curious about TEDx or TED, regardless of where they are in the world. Maybe they want to attend an event. Where should they go?
0: So for, for the TED-related stuff, is TEDxMelbourne, one word, dot com. Uh-huh. Of course, it's one word. Um, <laughs> for, my, for my work, is I have a website, and then I, I, I'm actually quite active on LinkedIn, so feel free to kind of look at my stuff on LinkedIn. Uh, if you do connect, just put a little note, though, because I find that the people who don't, Tend to be wanting to sell me something and i by by a general rule i don't accept them anymore because i just get sold too much so just put a little note more than happy to have a conversation uh, and i have some articles there as well which might help
1: Wonderful, yeah. Look, I'm the same with LinkedIn too. I figure if you can push the button to send me a link, you can afford to type a few more keystrokes to tell me yeah. how you found me or, um, you know, that we know somebody jointly because even something like that can make the connection a little bit more um, uh, comfortable than, than just uh, I want to join your network.
0: Yeah, and it, it's clarifying the intent again. I understand the nature of our interaction and the nature, of the, the value that we want to create for each other and that's what LinkedIn is all about, I think.
1: Awesome. Well, John, thanks so very much for your time today and for your insights on TEDx and for engaging with intent. Thank you for joining us for this Expert Insights episode. Until next time, this is Australian productivity and technology expert, Donna Hanson. Have an amazing week.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Expert Insights Show. If you've enjoyed the show, why not subscribe via the podcast page on www.donnahanson.com.au or through iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn or Stitcher. Until next time, as Donna says, don't forget to work smarter and not harder with technology.